This is the Get a Life Podcast, X-Cult Conversations. Hello everyone, welcome back to Get a Life Podcast. I'm Lane and I'm here today with Cheryl Richard Carmen, and our guest today is Peter Hart. Um, we've got a long story that we're going to go through today and I think we're going to be pretty excited about this one. Peter, uh, take it away. Okay, well, I'm uh, I'm 54 years old. I, I'm from Wellington in New Zealand, the coolest little capital in the world. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, I, um, I got married at uh, 22. My wife was 20, that's what you did back then. And yeah, when I was about 30, I was about 35-ish when Bruce came into power. And I was a, I was a, um, I, I was a good, a good brethren boy, I guess. And <laughs> I, I had no doubts about the brethren position. I was happy to, to, uh, yeah, follow the rules. So you were, uh, you were a good Plymouth Brethren Christian Church member. You, you believed in the doctrine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I still believe in the core. Um, the, the core doctrine, if you like, the core teaching. Um, I, I, I read quite a bit, um, especially in my late teens, but I, I mostly read the old ministries, like um, J&D through to JT. Okay, I never really... you, can you explain to the listeners who those people are and, and, uh, and who the, so, what ministry was? So, so ministry is the written writings. Um, so in, in the early days, John Nelson Darby, he's the founder of the church, and his ministry was was mostly writings which he wrote in his room. Um, he had a series of different writings. You know, he had the synopsis of the Bible, which was five books, where he explained the Bible teachings, and he had various other writings, notes and jottings, and um, discussions and apologetics, all sorts of different ones. Um, and then uh, Mr. Raven was the next one after him, and there again it was mostly lectures. Um, and then James Taylor was the next one. Um, and they were all sort of solid mainstream, I guess you'd call it, Christian teaching. And after that came JT Jr. Um, and that's where I sort of didn't really read much physically, never really made much sense to me um and yeah it just didn't make sense basically did you ever um, get the sense reading that stuff that they weren't truly educated in the bible um i wouldn't say that with jay with the with the earlier ones i think they were pretty well educated okay. I, I think the earlier ones they they did um they were pretty well educated, like they read the Greek and Hebrew words and they, they knew what they meant. I, I would say they were pretty well educated. Um, but we can go into more of that later on. Um, that's, my, that's my own personal opinion and, and a lot of people disagree with me, I, I realise that. Um, yeah. But for, from, from JT Jr. Ford, um, I think it started the slippery slope and becoming pretty uneducated, really. <laughs> yeah. What made you leave? 
So, well, we're jumping forward quite a bit. Um, so, so yeah, I was about 35 when when Bruce Howells came into power, and I, I saw a real difference there. Um, so before him was John Howells, his father, and his father was was quite well taught in the ministry too. And you know, up until then, I had no doubts. But when Bruce Howells came into power, I could see a person who was um, quite um, unempathetic, and I mean, he said some things like. Like, oh, he went to a tailor to get his shirts made. I, I, he talked about himself a lot, you know. I go to a tailor to get my shirts made, and I thought, well, most of us can't afford to do that, you know. And, um, oh, he said, um, oh, I hate Australian jokes. And I thought, well, hey, the Australians are funny people. <laughs> we all like laughing, <laughs> the Australians. <laughs> um, there's something wrong with a guy that can't laugh at himself. Yeah, um, it's, it's like your ego is very delicate or something. That's right, yeah. yeah. I mean, just to be fair about the shirts, I mean, the regular stores only go up to a certain size, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he was making a good point. He sort of had to go to a tailor or, or, yeah. or a tent shop, you know, an outdoor <laughs> shop that sells tents. Um, <laughs> you know, get some armholes Love cut. it. Love it. There's no scripture about dwelling in tents, isn't there? So. <laughs> Oh, okay. But he, sorry, he sort of on. struck me as a selfish sort of person who who liked himself, and um, and he talked about money a lot. He was obviously money means a lot. And then very soon he brought back um, the system days. I don't know if we've, if you've talked in the podcast a lot about the system days, but that that's what his father was involved in and his uncle back in the sixties. Um, where they were very um, hot on on Bible teaching, you know, it was a big thing, but also money making. Um, and it was at a time when JT Jr., who we talked about before, um, who was an alcoholic, um, which the brethren, of course, hotly deny, but it was at a time when he was in hospital drying out, um, and the Hales brothers took over world, worldwide. Now, Bruce Howells married JT Jr.'s daughter. That, that's Bruce Senior, just to be Bruce clear. Senior, that is. Yeah. yeah, uncle of the incumbent one. That's yeah. right. Okay. So, so he had married um, JT Jr.'s daughter, so he already sort of had a foothold in there. Mm. And in the family. Into the family, and they sort of took over universally and really pushed this, um, what was called the system days. And when JT Jr. came out of hospital and was sober again, he jumped on, onto it and took issue with it, um, which was a major blow to the Hales name. Um, yeah, the, 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 the Hales name was sort of trashed at that point which Bruce would have been in his teens. Um, and he was he was really offended and hurt by this. Oh, it's always the it's always the little hurt one, right? That that gets that gets so <laughs> mad, like like you, yeah. you know? Oh, of course, of course. Sorry, go on. So so when he came into power in, you know, in the early 2000s, he brought back that whole thing and he brought back um, 
you know, we started having having uh, business meetings, uh, not not in the church meetings, but a- outside of them. So the first one in New Zealand was in Wanganui. Um, and I, I went to it. I was working for my father at the time. And uh, Bruce was there and he was helping the brethren how to run their businesses. And to be honest, the brethren back then were pretty naive about business, especially in New Zealand. They didn't even know what their break even was, for instance. Um, and uh, these business meetings were quite helpful. And I, I thought they were good, you know, helping bring them to their basic basic needs, how to run a business. And I actually came away from that business and told my father I was going to leave his business and start my own business. Um, because there was four of us brothers in this business, which was a bit overcrowded. Like we only had half, had about eight staff. Um, so it was a bit overcrowded and it was all mutual. And that's when I started my own business. Um, and yeah, so that's when the like Bruce was starting to to come into to, to bring back the system days, but it all sort of progressed from there. And and then over the next few years, he he really started to justify the the, the system days, and he started to say they should never have stopped. And of course, you can never talk against the previous leader. So he said JT Jr. was misinformed. He was told wrong information. Oh, how clever, how clever, how clever. Yeah. <laughs> Revisionism. Very <laughs> slippery, right. very slippery. <laughs> yeah. And both Bruce Howells and John Howells in those days were very um, arrogant. Um, they, they were very hard on people and they used to talk about business in the church meetings too and they used to stand people up in those meetings this is what i've been told because I, I wasn't even born in the 60s oh well, i was born in late in 68 but um they used to stand people up in, in the meetings and ask them what their income was and they used to ridicule brethren if their income was too low or if it was too high and they weren't giving enough away or um wow. And those sort of things, and then so public the, shaming, yeah, public shaming, and it used to continue in the houses, and um, but then Bruce Howells, you know, through the subsequent years, as I was starting to see through him, he was saying that John Howells had never done anything wrong in those in the system days. His father did nothing wrong; he had nothing to repent about. And that's one of the questions I ask my my priests about the priests of the people that visit me when I'm on my way out. Um, I said, "How can how can you say that he had nothing to repent about?" And at one point, they had, they couldn't answer that. They said, "Oh, they had no answer." And they said, "I'll have to come back to you about that." Um, <laughs> and they didn't tell that. <laughs> yeah. So well, I... they, so they came back to me about that. And I've just got to think about what they said. Um, yeah, it'll come back to me. Um, but there was some sort of canned response that I was supposed to say to that. So something about it was his excessive humility that yeah, it was something along those lines. having done things that he hadn't <laughs> yeah. really done. 
Bruce yeah. went so far, apparently, recently, as to say that when his father, because his father was actually kicked out of the church, excommunicated, withdrawn from, as they call it, um, he went so far as to say that actually it was the reverse, and John Hales was actually withdrawing from everybody else in Sydney. Okay. That's, yeah, that's oh, not right. been... Like, yeah. that is... Anyway. I don't even know. What yeah, uh, it was said something like that was said where I was local. It was sort of put that, well, at that point, John Hales was the testimony and the brethren were not in the testimony. Yes. You know, he was carrying everything forward and it was actually everyone else who was wrong. So, Which is mind blowingly stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so there's been all sorts of spends put on it to, to justify it, but the fact is that John Hales. Did he did street brethren wrongly, and um, yes, through the COVID times, of course, because I was um, I was kicked out in August twenty twenty, so so um, prior to that we were listening to recordings in the COVID times in lockdown. We were listening to recordings from the sixties, and I I heard John Howells talking really rudely in a meeting to an older brother. He was telling me he should be, he needed to be a man and he was barking at him and just talking to him. You know, John Howells would have been, I worked out he would have been about 42, and he's talking to a man in the 70s. And it's one thing I said to the priest, I said he was rude, you know, in the 60s. Um, and apparently they told Bruce Howells what I'd said. Um and Bruce Hales was just shocked that I would say that about a father. <laughs> he was rude. Nice. That's um, awesome. He, he was offended about yeah. that. But there was just, there's absolutely no doubt that yeah. they, they were a couple of young upstarts in the 60s. There, it's, it's just another man, right? These are all, like, I would believe that these were truly God's chosen individual leaders if they didn't, per se, peer poop if they didn't need to eat food, right? That would be, there you go, right? They're special, but they're not. These people put their pants on one leg at a time like everyone else. They were alcoholics, <laughs> some of them. They were rude to people in church. They sh publicly shamed people for, for not making enough money. Oh, that sounds exactly like Jesus. It's first crap. <laughs> Yeah, so um, yeah, I started to see holes, holes, um, you know, Bruce Hales earlier on. Um, when I was, um, yeah, about that time, we were moving house out. Our first home had we'd outgrown it, and we were moving to another part of the city. And it was a, a time in New Zealand where there was a what was called a leaky home syndrome. There was there was a bunch of new houses that hadn't been built properly so we decided we'd like to build a home which was frowned upon in the in the brethren but um i thought well maybe i could ask bruce Hales if we could build a home um so i rang him up and i said can we build a house um and john Hales's ministry index hadn't been published at that time and I couldn't find it in his ministry. I'd heard that he said we shouldn't build houses. 
um, brethren weren't doing it because it was hearsay. But I couldn't find it. I thought, oh, I'll ask Bruce. Um, I was a, I was a bit um, of a loose unit. And so I rang Bruce and he said, he said, well, we've been told, that this is, you know, listen to this, what he said back then. We've been told we shouldn't build houses because, you know, we'll just build what we like to build and they'll be big and um, exactly what we want. And um, that's the reason. So he said, I'm happy if you build a house, but just show the plans to two local brethren and keep it simple. That, those, that was basically what he said. And so I got off the phone. We, we bought a section. I told my wife what he'd said. It was, it was clear what he said. It was obvious and straightforward. We, we bought a section. We, we got a plan, like a book, off a, uh, off a local building company. And we chose a plan out of a book. Um, and we changed the downstairs around a bit to suit the sun. Showed it to a couple of local brethren. They said, yeah, that looks simple enough. And we... we we got the house built. When it was nearly finished, um, Bruce Howells drove past the house um, because there was a section down the road the brethren were thinking of buying for, for a city hall, and Bruce was in the in the city. So they, they drove him to look at the city hall section. And <clears throat> and they drove past this house, and someone in the car said, oh, that's Peter Hart's house. And Bruce said, uh, I didn't say Peter Hart can build a house. Um, and, and so this was relayed to me afterwards and I got you know, shocked in my life and my wife and you know, we were both upset about it because and of course all the brethren knew about it within like about two hours yeah because they, they were they, they all had their noses put out of joint while I was building a house because um, because no one else had ever built a house in the last few years because you weren't supposed to yeah. And um and even yeah, people very close to me, um, my own family said I oh, after that they said, Oh, you you must have misunderstood what Bruce said to you. And um <laughs> Meanwhile, and I was <laughs> a liar. Yeah, or or they they didn't tell me I was a liar, but I you know, I was just dirt. Yeah. Um no, he's the liar. I'm word. saying Bruce Hale's the liar. Yeah. He tells you one thing, then he lies about it. That's normal well, for him. Yeah, you know, I didn't think of him as a liar, but what I thought was he just doesn't he doesn't give a damn for another person's feelings. Yeah. He didn't sort of think when he opened his mouth, say, I didn't tell Peter how he could build a house. He didn't stop to think that, well, maybe I did say it and I forgot. Um, maybe I shouldn't open my mouth and say I didn't tell him to build a house. Maybe I should it, just not... before I open my mouth. He's not a kind because person. Neither him or his father before. were nice people. Sorry. Sorry. Bruce Hales is not a nice person. Like they're not kind, gentle, caring leaders. Him or his father. They were assholes. Yeah. So my impression was that he's not empathetic. He doesn't give a damn for another person's feelings. Yeah. That, and that's, that's not all. that shouldn't be a leader of a Christian church. No. I'm I'm absolutely I'm mind blown right now. I don't even know what to say. I did not know that this was a rule. I can't believe we're having this conversation. I'm seriously, I'm sitting here and I'm like, I feel like an outsider right now listening to this podcast and my mind is blown that 
there is people asking Bruce if they can build a house. Do you realize like how crazy this sounds? He controls everything. <laughs> I like I didn't know this was a rule. And, and, and now like, his Gareth Pales owns a what? Was it a nine million or seven million dollar house? It's nine point five Australian, which would be yeah. um yeah, about about six million, seven million American. Okay, six, seven million dollar house. And he was he was house. telling Peter to keep his house simple. And this oh, was, what year was oh, this? The, what year was this, Peter? Oh, um, about 2002, I think. 2002. I just... Just when he came to power. So, yeah. Am I just... Maybe Maybe I never... Is this always been a rule? Like, has this, this has always been a rule? No, I did not no, know. Around about yeah. then or after then, there was a rule that, that you couldn't build a house. So I think it was after that. Yeah, that's right. What was the so, reasoning so, behind so, it? So after that... The ministry index came out with John Howell's ministry, and he had said quite plainly, "You shouldn't build a house." So, so after that, the rule became, "No, you should not build a house." That was the blanket rule, and of course, I had built a house, so I was a black sheep. And apparently, Bruce had said I hadn't said I should build a house. I had misunderstood him, and yeah, you know, I was just the black sheep. But I didn't actually sell the house. So I asked the a, a a brother with a level head. There was one or two of them in Wellington. Um, <laughs> so hold on, I, I got... should sell the house, and he said, "No, don't sell it. Just live in it." Yeah. Um, so yeah. I got a question though. Wasn't Jesus a carpenter? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I trust Lane. <laughs> uh, what would we do without Lane's spiritual insight? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just your local atheist. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's so very after odd that. because um, John, uh, Bruce Hales accused me of building my own house. One phone call I had with him after I had that car accident. He said, you built your own house. And it wasn't true at all. There was not a grain of truth in it. Um, I didn't bother to contradict him because generally contradicting Bruce doesn't really go to you. But yeah, it it's, seems to be, you know, some weird thing he has. If you, I know don't, we're if you haven't that. built your own house, he tells you you have. And if you have, he tells you he didn't give you permission. So you can't really win, can you? And I don't I don't understand the reason either. Because yeah. he's like, you'll like it too much. Like, you can't have something if you want it too much. So it has to be something you only kind of want. But you can buy a $7 million house. I, I'm so confused. Well, no, the, the know, way I'll, it was explained to us. Sorry. Go so ahead, Go on, Peter. Go ahead, Peter. No, I was just going to take you through the process that followed on from me building a house and the process over the next few years. So after I built the house, that you weren't allowed to build houses. And that, 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 but then a rule came in that you could buy a house and you could alter it, okay? And so that's what brethren that wanted to build houses, that's what they did. They built a house and they ah. altered it. But you could leave one you could demolish it, but you had to leave one wall standing. I'm not joking. Yeah, yeah. In Vancouver, they did that. They bought these houses because they wanted these houses close to the airport and close to the meeting room, and they would leave one wall standing and then rebuild the whole house around it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so it was, it was who gets me. mad so, if so you, you take that wall down? Is 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 he? 
cares about walls? Walls. This is this is actually new. Like I was in for eighteen years, and I didn't know about. This. I had no idea about this either. No idea. But, like no, they, I, what I would be it. the this was that, biblical? Yeah, what would be the biblical teaching that supports the one wall? Well, because John Howe said you shouldn't build a house, so that was the technical way of getting around it, that you leave a wall standing. I suppose if you just leave a standing like like four inches long, I suppose it's a wall. (laughs) Yeah, right? Could a beam, a support beam, does that count? Or am I getting kind of sinful? This is mind-blowing. Well, yeah, my mind's blowing. So then roll it on a couple of years, and you've got these rich brethren you know, buy, a, buy an old house on a section, they leave one one stud standing and they build their dream home. And then roll along a couple of years and then Bruce, the Lord had moved on and turned the corner and you could build a house after that. But you had to bring it up in the care meeting. You had to tell the brethren in the care meeting that you were building a house. And I'm not joking again. Yes. And so you had brethren saying in the care meeting that I'm... I'm building a house on such such a site, and um, and another brother would would say into the microphone that yes, so and so has spoken with me, and and the local brethren are happy about it. Hypothetically, <laughs> if Jesus is watching these care meetings, he's sleeping. This is the most boring. <laughs> like, who cares? about your what does that have to do with the bible teachings it just like what you know what it kind of makes me sad like i'm going back to um it was i think it was lara Payne's podcast right where she asked to bring up her sexual abuse in a care meeting and was denied it but yet they bring up building homes in a care meeting Hmm. it's just i really i had i had no and i i we were totally sidetracking i apologize peter but I'm just literally, I did not know that this was a rule. And my mind is just having to catch up with everything you're saying and yeah. digest, um, yeah. digest this. Process it. Yeah. Sorry, it's go so, on, it's go so on, Peter. It's so stupid because that, that only lasted like six months. And then the um, building house thing had really taken off and prison building houses fed out. But like, first of all, it had to be simple. Then it didn't have to be simple. And now, Brisbane are building houses like 600 square meters is yeah. pretty pretty normal. So, yeah, you know, my 6,000 square feet. My brother's is 7,500 square feet. Yeah, I believe that. Like, I've heard that Bruce Howes' house is, is 1,000 square, square meters. Hmm. Square so, meters. Know, sure enough. Oh, Gareth is, is bigger than his. <laughs> Which one? His new one or his present one? His, his townhouse, the way he oh, was, yeah, yeah. The, the city house. The week, the weekday not, one, not, not the, the weekend weekender. house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Some of them have got their houses so big, they're having to hire housekeepers because their wives oh, can't yeah. clean them all. Oh, bet. You'd need a ride-on yeah. vacuum cleaner, wouldn't you? <laughs> well, how many mornings are they hung over? Sorry, what was that? I, I just ask you how many mornings are they hung over? Yeah, well, that's true. Too. Yeah, <laughs> it cuts into the cleaning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's go back on track. Let's go back to your your leading up to leaving. <laughs> yeah, so that that was a bit of a incident. Um, oh, another incident I had, which was um, was after that, is um, a brother was taking a meeting in in Wellington and. Um, <clears throat> 
He read the scripture in Matthew 18, verse 20. It says, where two or three are gathered together unto my name, there am I in the midst of them. And he said that scripture only only applies to the brethren. The, the Lord wouldn't go to any other gathering of men. And and I I, I knew this was a bit of a thing in the brethren. And I, I very bravely or stupidly said in that meeting, it was a city meeting with with 380 brethren there. I, I very stupidly said, um, how, how can we say that? The, the Lord will go where he wants to go. Well, we, we can't limit the Lord. And the, the meeting just dissolved. The meeting hardly started. And it just sort of stopped. And the rest of the meeting was just everyone throwing bricks at me from all over the room. Oh. And... And one brother said, um, you need to stop being against Bruce Hales. You need to stop your, um, you know, your, your, your behavior, um, the, the way that you're against the brethren. And all this, there's just these rocks being thrown at me in the meeting. And um, yeah, my, my wife was upset. She was crying and, um, and you know, it was you're really being publicly hard. Attacked. I, I was at night. Uh, it was my job to find preachers that night for the next day. I went to a brother after me and he said, look, can you do this for me? He said, yeah, sure. And I went home. I didn't sleep or work that night. What about um, It was, yeah, it was pretty shocking. And, um, and I, of course, I got a priestly visit after that. I had to apologise or, or get shut up. I, I'm sure I would have got shut up if I hadn't apologised. Um, but you were right. <laughs> Yeah, I, I knew I was right, and what's more, I knew I had ministry from JD and FER and JT to support it in black and white, mm. which I brought up in this pressy visit. I had the script, I had the references there, and I said, "Look, this is exactly what they said. It's there in black and white," and they said, "Yeah, but Bruce Howells said this," and so that was the end of it. Yeah, and and I, I was in no financial position. Or um, I, I just didn't feel I was I was ready to get kicked out. Yeah, yeah. At that stage, that was about ten years before before I did get kicked out. Finally, so you were kind of questioning the leader though for quite a few years before you actually left or got kicked yeah, out. Yeah, well, about about um about from about that time on, I. I would pray privately that Bruce Howells would, would get exposed. I, I knew he was no good. Yeah. I don't want full exposure. It'd be kind of gross to see him fully exposed. And, and, and in the meetings, I, I, in the prayer meeting on Monday night, I had to pray for Bruce Howells because, and because if you didn't, you would get asked, why, you, why don't you pray for Bruce Howells? Yeah. Yeah. So I would, about every second Monday night, I would pray for him, but that was it. I'd just pray for Bruce Hales. I wouldn't go on with all the other stuff. Pray for our beloved brother. He'll be strengthened. And, yeah. um, oh, I can't remember all the... Let's, so let's, let's tell the listeners what... Pray for what Bruce a, let's tell the listeners what a prayer meeting was. So, so Monday night uh, in the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church, they go to church 365 days a year. Monday night is the prayer meeting, they call it. And that's where all the men, ranging from age 
even as young as 12 years old. Yeah, 12, you have um, to start. Yeah. And, and the church, the, the local city will split up into small groups of about 50. And then the men will get up one at a time and all have to pray out loud into a mic. Uh, kind of weird. Um, and if you start praying for weird things like celebrities, or if you pray for <laughs> bin, bin Laden getting caught, I did that once. Uh, they don't like that. You have to pray for, you have to like stick to the script. So it's got to be, you, it sounds like this, God and Father, pray for, you know, Mr. Bruce or Bruce Hales or Mr. Hales, whichever you prefer. And then you'd hit like your family. You'd be like dad, mommy. And like, you know, this person and you'd name all the sick people. And then you'd be like, there'll be like good government. Sometimes you pray for like good government and that would get you a couple brownie points. And then you'd be like, name the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. As fast as you can. Or you just be like, and, and that was funny. Sometimes you get a laugh after that one. <laughs> that's right that's that's the prayer meeting yep yeah. sorry my rants so uh yeah so um I, another thing that was around about that time i was printing the brethren directory I, i'm a printer I, well I, I was back then and i, I was printing the brethren directory uh, that they using a wide one. It was a spiral bound directory with the phone numbers in. Um, we'll just, just go back, back a little bit. In 2005, the action campaign, um, there were seven brothers who were campaigning the government and it was all supposed to be secret, um, which was quite stupid really. They, um, it, it was done all over the world, but they, they hired houses so they could um, register their their name at these hired houses, so it was all secret. But of course, it, it all got out and hit the media, and the media exposed it, um, and they were exposed as a secret seven. And what were then, they fighting against? It was same sex marriage, wasn't it? Oh no, no, this was campaigning for a, for a new government. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, this is campaigning. Gotcha. I, I can't remember what government was in, but they were campaigning for a particular government. It was Helen, Helen, Helen Clark with Labour, wasn't it? That's right, yeah. They were campaigning um, for the National It was Don Brash for National Party, which is like the right-wing party. That's right. And yeah. they wanted Brash in and Clark out because she was too far left for their liking. Yeah. So... And, and about the time, just before they were, about the time of the campaign, just before Bruce Howells came to Wellington Fellowship meetings, and these seven brothers met Bruce Howells in a house in Wellington, at, at, at the leading brother's house. And then when it all hit the fan, the media, they told the media, it was published in the newspaper, they told the media that they had no instructions from Australia um, it was completely their own exercise as concerned businessmen. Um, they were financing it. It had nothing to do with the church. Um, and then afterwards, after it all sort of was all over, there was a this new thing called the SIS, Strategic Information Services, they called it, a newsletter which was put out by this a different group of brethren, which every business was expected to subscribe to. And I was sent an email. There was, I think, something like $300 a month. You could subscribe to this useless information sheet. 
That's a lot of money. Sorry? That's a lot of money for for something so silly. So something you wouldn't even read. Um, And I I returned the email and said, um, this sounds, you know, is this for financing the, um, the, 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 the campaign? Because the campaign was cost something like 1.2 or 1.6 million or something. And I asked them point blank, is this for financing the campaign? Because I was keeping them honest, you know, they had told the media that they were financing it themselves and it was, had nothing to do with the church. And um, very mysteriously, about two weeks later, I was asked to give back all the files for the business, for the present uh, directory that I had. Huh. Uh, <laughs> so they, they started getting nervous. Yeah, they didn't like that question. Presumably they never actually answered you. So, sorry, what was that? They never actually admitted that it was for financing the campaign, I presume. No, I, 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 it obviously was, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so I was sort of on the watch list, you know, from way back. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I had a couple of other things which I wasn't happy about. My, Oh, another interesting thing that happened was my, my um, was in my, my business. I, as I said, I started my own business and it was, it was printing, but then I branched off into um, the, the printing was sort of changing. It was going digital um, and we were just getting into computers then. But before we got into computers, I'd already seen that printing was getting more and more difficult. So I bought a couple of businesses um, importing CD and DVD cases and also started printing CDs and DVDs. And this was before the Brethren had computers. Um, So I didn't actually have to have a computer to duplicate CDs and DVDs. Um, It was just standalone machines. But I sort of had to keep it hush-hush. And my dad said to me, he said, look, I don't mind what you're doing, but the brethren aren't going to like it. Um, my, said, my grandma was so against CDs when they came out. Remember when they would send them, they'd send things in the mail that had a CD and it was like advertising and yeah. stuff on the CDs. Well, my grandma would break them and then, <laughs> and then hang them in pieces from the tree to scare away crows or something. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. the mirror works. Yeah, that's all yeah. they're good for. That's all those memory discs yeah. are good for. What white and books would be good for that, wouldn't they? <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with digital media, but they were so scared of it at first. You thought that like Satan himself had designed it. Yeah. So so anyway, um, one of my main customers, one of my big customers, was was a. A, a nationwide church called, called the Arise Church in, in New Zealand, which was an evangelical um, Pentecostal church. And so they had good, solid uh, Christian sermons. And I used to listen to these, which was forbidden, of course. Um, I, I'd listen to them in the car and... and um, that was my first sort of eye-opener to the fact that the brethren preachings are just simply lame. Um, <laughs> the, and the gobbledygook. Or 
very boring and these people out there that preach they're interesting and they've got good teaching and um and hey there's lots of decent christians out there and um yeah i, I listen to this stuff a lot so so that was a a, a real eye-opener to me um, and um and yeah so going forward in my business i i branched off from that the, the cd and dvd stuff was going quite well i branched off into that into um <clears throat> manufacturing um digital touchscreens um which went quite well as was, was before um the bulk manufacturer of um ipads and that sort of stuff so these are touchscreens for retail stores for advertising. And that branched into more of the medical side of stuff. It was, I've gone into manufacturing medical um, stuff for operating theatres. Okay. That was a mistake. Um, that was a bad decision. It was, it was too big. And I got into financial difficulty. Um, and if you ever get into financial difficulty in the brethren, um, they never forget it. Um, it's talked about, it's gossiped about, um, and it, there was a time after the GFC, Global Financial Crisis, where Bruce Howells um, decided to have a look at all the brethren businesses worldwide that were in trouble, um, and I was one of them. So my um, books were sent over to Bruce Howells. And there was a couple of brothers from New Zealand that were present when they were looked at. And some instructions came back from Bruce Howells about what I was to do. And it was really bad advice. It was just really dumb. Um, so I thought, well, what I'm going to do is just, I, I, I won't just throw the toys out of the cot. I won't say anything. I won't sort of say, no, I'm not going to do this. I thought, I'll just do it real, real, really slow um, and hope everyone forgets about it. <laughs> so that, that's what I did. Um, and I, so over the course of the next um, probably two years, I managed to pull that business around and sell it, um, that side of the business. Um, and I, I sold that side of the business and the good side of the business has gone really, really well ever since and completely turned it around. But that's a bit like what I came across with the brethren is that they, would, they couldn't sort of delve in, into, they had to sort of look at the thing as a whole. Um, I was told to sell the whole business as it is. And I, I would have come at it with absolutely nothing. Um, the whole thing i would have worked for a brother i would have had no money worked for a brother and basically been locked into the brethren with no money um but i did it my own way and well the, the common sense way i should say and came out on top hmm. um so soon after that my one of my sons was married and he wanted to uh, and um he got married and he had a stick job in wellington with a um a, a local brother in Wellington and he 
needed to change his job. And I had, um, I'd sold this business, I had spare capacity to employ him, um, start another business to employ him. I only had a small business at that stage, a you know, good small business, which I couldn't really employ him in my current business. So I had to start another business to employ him. Um, I had the money to do that. And I, we, we put together a business plan. He was keen to work for me. Um, it was a good solid plan. I spoke to a couple of brothers about it. They both said no. <coughs> um, one brother said, one brother said, no, you need $2 million to start a business. And I said, rubbish. I said, you can start a business with $45. All you need is a bucket and a window cleaning brush. You can start a business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What did he say to that? No, no, Bruce Hale said you need $2 million to start a business. <laughs> so you can't start a business for your son. And in this the upshot, yeah, my son wanted to work for me. You know, he couldn't start a business himself because he was too young and he had a, a new house with a big mortgage. Um, so in the end, he had married a, a girl from Australia and he, in the end, he got offered a job in Australia. And in the end, he moved to Australia. You know, we were really upset. It was the first married son. They were expecting their first child, so first grandchild. There was a lot, there was a lot of tears, and they were moving to Australia. And I had to sign a piece of paper by the brethren to say I was happy for him to move to Australia so I wouldn't hmm. cause any trouble. So you were forced to sign something? Yeah. Yeah, that's not legal. To say I was happy about it. Wow. Because I tried to employ him and was refused. Pressuring someone into signing something is not legal. I want to remind our viewers, um, you'll remember a while back, um, we did some podcasts with Candleland and Merrick Grimshaw was had was their spokesperson, had come out with some quotes in this Candleland um, through our trio of podcasts through them. So I just want to, I just want to just, this is a perfect time. I just want to bring this up. PBC spokesperson, spokesperson Merrick Grimshaw tells us that church member companies are under no obligation to join UBT and that they are able to do business with whomever they choose. They also tell us that the church has no legal, financial, or any other interest in its members' business. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love that no obligation, but I, I, I didn't join UBT. I, I refused to because I had no time for their stuff and I had no money for it, especially when I was struggling. Mm. And yet I, I was known over the country as being against UBT because I wouldn't join. And mm. it was spoken against behind my back and despised for it. But yeah, yeah there's no obligation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is why we have these conversations to get like, you've got, you have so many stories, Peter. Like there's just so much inside you and it's recent, right? I mean, you just left, you, what, you just left in 2020? Is that when you, yeah, you left in 2020. Yeah. Like it's, so I, that's why I wanted to bring in some of this current, this current stuff that Merrick Grimshaw is reporting is because it, the, the, we're not applying this to something 30 years ago, right? We're applying this to <laughs> Peter's current situation that has happened within the last time many years. Yeah, I mean, there is so much to talk about. We've been talking to for 45 months already. Oh, we could keep on going. I mean, like a quarter of the way through what there is to talk about. That's okay. Keep yeah. going. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. But just to wind it forward, yeah, like, 
yeah, right well, before to about June 2020, I, um, <clears throat> my, my wife said to me, look, you've got to talk to the brethren about your problems. Um, she said to me, you're not reading the white books. And, um, and I said to her, look, they, they just don't make sense. And she was horrified that I would say that. And um, she said, no, you've got to talk to them. I said, well, I don't want to, because I knew what would happen. Um, yeah. I, I, I do, you know, but this was 10 years or 12 years after that other incident when I'd come up against the wall before, when I, I knew I couldn't leave, but I, I was in a different place now. Um, and I, I, I was, I just felt I just couldn't um, just brush over things again. And um, she insisted on it, and bless her soul, she thought I would get help. She didn't, I don't think she thought we would end like this. And so first of all, I, um, you know, since she said, you know, since I said the white box don't make sense, I took them on on a theological point. Um, I said, okay, well, so I, I told a brother, well, you know, I, I ran up a brother and said, look, my wife wants me to talk to you. I told her the white box don't make sense. And she said, okay, well, I'll come around and bring another brother. And um, so they said, okay, what's not making sense? And I said, well, Bruce Howells says that in his ministry that um, Jesus was sent to the earth. Um, and there's a, there was an issue, I won't spend too long on this, but it's all pretty theological. But there was an issue in 1923 with JT called the... Um, uh, Eternal Son. Yeah, that's right, Eternal Sonship of Christ, yeah. yeah, where JT made it clear that that, that in the past um, eternity, Jesus was God, and so he, he decided to come to earth himself. He, he wasn't sent to earth. He decided to come of his own free will. And here's Bruce Howell saying, on several occasions, saying um, Jesus was sent to the earth. And so we had some quite long discussions about that. And these brothers were sort of panel beating Bruce's words to fit what JT had said. And it was just a waste of time. Um, and then it turned into talking uh, um, about other things. I was, I also said about them saying that every single word that comes out of Bruce's mouth is, is um, Christ's words. I said I disagree with that. Even when he grunts him. and sneezes? Eh? <laughs> even when he grunts and sneezes? <laughs> or even when he calls someone a bastard? When he called Braden Simmons a bastard in the meeting? I yeah. said to them about that. And or tell said, someone oh, to well, eat rat poison? Yeah, I said, well, they said, oh, well, Paul used the word bastard in scripture. And I said, yeah, but he used it in the sense of what the word means, as an illegitimate son. Uh, not not a derogatory term. I mean, everyone knows who Brandon Simmons' father is. Yeah. Um, and they didn't have an answer for that. Um, and we talked about other things too, about, you know, Bruce Howell's liking Buddy and surrounding himself with, with you know, the best of everything. 
And they said, oh, money means absolutely nothing to Bruce Howells. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Comedians. And, and I called, I said that in the recordings, John Howells was rude. So I, I saw, I, I saw I let it rip, really. I let all my feelings out. Um, and they quickly probably confined you after that? Uh, we, we had a total of, I think, four Priestleys, I think. And, and then we started talking about the court cases. I'd found out about the court cases, um, which I wasn't supposed to do. And the, the court cases being Peter Harrison and Braden's court case. Um, and they, and so we talked about those. And then I refused to have any more Priestley visits. And, nice. yeah. And um, then they said, oh, can we just have a five minute visit? And so then I knew, well, that was the shut mm -hmm. down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then my mum rang me. So it was in the morning, they rang for that. And they said, so we arranged for Priestley visit in the afternoon. And then my mum rang me up and she said, can't you just, um, you know, can't you just stay? She said. That's hard. Yeah. Like there's nothing, there's nothing like that, that, uh, that feeling when the family just begs you. Especially a mom, it's the hardest one to get over. Yeah. It's the hardest one to get over. Yep. So, so we, we had our five minute visit and, um, yeah, they, they shut me up for two things for talking against the man of God and for talking to a person that was not in the fellowship and, and not telling them who it is. That was the two things. So right there you have it, listeners. If you question anything, even if it blatantly doesn't make sense, even if you can see that it's wrong or even immoral, you still have to follow, blindly follow, and soon as you question, you're done you know yeah. i think like i mean i i'm i mean carmen can attest to this because she's found an excellent church but like when you think of christianity the first word that comes to me would be compassion would be kindness would be caring would be um altruism yeah there's everything coming together out of love right and if you have a group that is 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 wanting to be called a mainstream Christian church, those members should be able to go to somebody with their issues and be compassionately welcomed to be, you know, and it not be about a man of God. It would, it, everything should turn back to the Bible, right? It should go back to um, the teachings of the Bible, not the teachings of a man of God. How weak is your foundation when you can't stand up to the teeniest ridicule? Yeah, well, that's what the, all this came back to Bruce Howells. And, you know, that's really what, what I was shut up what for was questioning the man of God. Which yeah. is hilarious. Like, you can't, you can't yeah. question this guy. You know why, though, is because if he allowed anyone to question him, he wouldn't be able to have answers. He's not intelligent enough. He's not smart enough to be able to have even basic questions about the Bible. 
you would probably yeah. fail, right? So he's going, are you questioning me? Are you questioning my father? And how he ups his own ego, right? How he strokes his ego is by talking about his father being this um, man that couldn't make a mistake and everything, right? He's brushing himself, right? He's saying that he's, he's incapable of making mistakes. He's just incapable of questioning him. And it's all just so culty. And once you take a look outside the brethren for the first time, when you open your eyes to the world, you realize that they're just another cult, like yeah. all the other. And of course, they, they kept on trying to trip me up. They, they asked what I thought of Aberdeen. Um, <laughs> so I just fudged my way through that one. And just lied. Uh, yeah, well, I, I didn't, I hadn't sort of thought about that at that stage. And they asked me, they kept on trying to get me on some moral, so immoral thing. They kept on saying, there must, there must be some immoral thing. Are you going on with some sort of sin? I said, no, I'm squeaky clean. Um, but you must be, there must be something in your history. There must be something that you're hiding because you're questioning the man of God, there must be, you know, this it always comes back to some immoral thing that someone's going on with. Mm -hmm. uh, I said, well, tell me what it is. These people jump to conclusions faster than anybody. They make massive, massive jumps and gaps and just blame for no reason. It's, it's, yeah. it's really pathetic. It's very interesting you say that because when I was in trouble, um, and they were questioning me. It was very much the same line. They were saying, oh, you must have done something. And they came up with this idea that I'd cheated on my wife, which is completely false, totally unrelated to, to anything that I had done. And yeah. I had no idea where it even came from. And they kept pressing this. And it was kind of, you realize after a while that it was the same kind of reasoning that it's because I'd had a really bad motor accident. And the kind of reasoning was, well, these terrible things happened to you, so you must have done something wrong because God's obviously punishing you for something. And but that is just uh, a disgusting so way to think. Yeah, they pushed it so hard. I seriously considered admitting to it, even though it wasn't true at all, because I could see that they weren't going to let me back with my family until I'd confessed to whatever they wanted me to confess to. Yeah. I, so it, while we're in here talking again, so I have my list of Merrick Grimshaw's quotes handy today. <laughs> Here's another quote he said, the PBCC also denies that they have a formal hierarchy. However, their website lists Bruce Hales as the church's most senior leader. This is such a joke, such a joke. There's such a hierarchy. And guess who's, guess who's waking his way, way up the ladder? My little brother, Jim Admiral, is in Australia right now working with Gareth and Dean and Charles Hales, and they're, uh, they're getting ready to do a big UBT, uh, probably fundraising of some kind. Um, <laughs> so they have a massive hierarchy. That's total bullcrap. And my older brother is also going up in the hierarchy, Lee Admiral, and I've got a story for you guys today. So... Back in, uh, I guess, November is when um, Americans have their Thanksgiving. And my younger brother, Jim, decides to have a massive, massive Thanksgiving party. Invites Roy Symington's widow. Um, 
I forget her name, Rhoda Markham, um, up. So they have this huge, my brother Lee's there, my dad's there. They have this massive Thanksgiving party in a tent out back. They've got a wow. bar, they've got a menu. It's, it's nuts, right? Then, like literally, I, I think it was like a week or two ago, um, a letter gets read out in all of North America stating that there's been instances of the brethren break down in something in fellowship and in, on the along the lines of um, celebrating worldly holidays like Thanksgiving, Christmas, <laughs> and Easter. Okay, right in there. But are you ready for it? Guess who signed the bottom of the letter? Lee Matthew Admiral. <laughs> My brother is the biggest fucking hypocrite ever. Oh. Wow. Yeah. Um, so Peter, did so when did, did you did you leave with your family? Like did, I like I don't know your whole story. Like who when you got excommunicated, like did your wife, did your wife come with you? No, no, she, she was absolutely, um, so right through the whole time, she has been absolutely um, with Bruce Owls the whole okay. time. We've, we've had very careful discussions about Bruce in the past. I've had sort of tiptoe around that subject. Um, yeah, no, no, there's no way that she, she was very, very loyal um through sales so she was extremely upset she was crying through especially through that the last couple of interviews the whole time oh yeah 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 um so i've got five children and three grandchildren i haven't been told about the last one so i I don't know her name um that's heartbreaking See, they, they weaponize the family against, and then they claim that it's the family's choice and it's not a brethren direction. We know that it's directed by the brethren. You know, if oh, you it's, just, well, it's directed if by they just, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If they just had open hearts, if they were even a teeny bit Christian, they would communicate with people regardless of judgment. Instead, they hold judgment and think that they know you, think they know about your life, and and then they they don't even tell you when you have a grandchild. That's disgusting. Yeah. That's disgusting. Yeah. So and even the even the brethren of Wellington. I, I mean, my my daughter was eighteen when she was when I was shut up. She was really upset that Friday afternoon with that five minute visit. She was my wife ran here and told her she she left work like straight away um she was so upset um and she she actually um her her boss complained four weeks later that she was underperforming at work and then and and then complained again and so she left her job um she was so upset and um my my son the next went up from there he so so, so i lived at home for three months uh, yeah after i shut up he, he came I, I was working at home because i only worked part-time 
um, at that stage, I'd sold half my business already. So I was at home. Um, and he came home from work one day upset. I said, what's the matter? He said, oh, work's not going well. Um, and so I, I got straight on the phone to the, well, I didn't, well, I didn't phone or email the priest straight away and said, you've got to sort this out. My son's upset. I can't talk to him. I'm not allowed to talk to him too much. Um, so you got to sort, he's having problems at work, you got to sort this out. As a result, he got put off from his work. And yeah, um, they weren't very sympathetic. Clearly. Um, That's... Yeah, it was really, really hard on my kids. So they yeah, take it out those two younger ones. So that's clear evidence that the church punishes the family, even for you know someone leaving the church. You know what I mean? Even well, though I, the family did nothing wrong. Yeah, well, I think uh, yeah, a lot of brethren are kind to them, but there's also ones that aren't sympathetic, and yeah. and of course in their businesses, this boss was worried about my daughter underperforming. Well, what an asshole! I mean, that's cruel. What do you expect? Yeah. 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 yeah, I had the, I had the same experience when I was in trouble. Two two of my children in succession were one was demoted and one was taken out of the business. And in hindsight, I think it was a, a deliberate strategy from a high level to put more and more pressure on me to try and force me to either leave or to kind of repent and rejoin. When they've got you in that shut up position, they try and put as much stress on you as possible. The kind of theory is that if they get you sufficiently stressed, you will actually kind of flip and convert or else get out of their hair. Um, I believe it's very deliberate. It is. Yeah. Let's let's read them. As, if there's any brethren listening, I just want to remind you of a little scripture here. If you're thinking about punishing people, fathers shall not be put to death for the sons. Neither shall the sons be put to death for the fathers. Every man should be put to death for his own sin. That's Deuteronomy 24, 16. You can fact check me if you don't believe me. I've been doing a little Bible research. Um, <laughs> so there is absolutely no excuse for you to, to punish people when someone else leaves. That's, that, that is just so wrong and, and not even close to what they preach in Christianity. Like, they're so far from it. Yeah, and so I, I followed up an email to these these priests afterwards saying that I'm concerned about my family's health because I, I was concerned about my wife's health and my children's health. But all, all three children that were living at home, I was concerned about their, their mental health. Um, and I, I emailed them and asked them about, it, about quite a few things. And their response to the one about the mental health was that uh, if they become extremely unwell, you'll hear about it. So that was it. So basically, uh, if they, probably if they commit suicide, I'll hear about it. Yeah, great. That's evil. But, My heart yeah. just breaks for you, Peter. Like, because it's just so still new. Like, how how are you doing now? Like, like how how do you cope with everything? Because I mean, it takes years to start unraveling everything and digest, and it's hard. I can't even imagine having kids and grandkids and um an ex-wife like it's still in there like how are you doing yeah I, i'm actually doing amazingly well I, I was able to keep the business 
and the business that I kept has gone really, really well since. Um, it's going four times better than when it was in there. Um, so I've only just started working full time again. Um, like for the first couple of years, I couldn't sort of concentrate enough. I, I just had to look after myself. Yeah. 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 And just, um, just work when I felt like it. Mm -hmm. So I would just, you know, a typical day, I'll just go out for a coffee and maybe not even work that day, you know, because I, I just couldn't push myself. It had to really nurse, nurse myself along. Um, and, but no, I'm doing really well. Yeah. If your kids were to watch this, what would you say to them? Um, well, I think my kids know I love them. I'm sure they do. And I send them a birthday greeting every birthday. And about half of them return it nicely. And the other half don't. Um, but there's no ill feelings there at all. Because I know they feel they shouldn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And of course, they're welcome to contact me anytime. And they know that. And yeah. And to experience the real, what freedom is in Christianity. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not, yeah, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. It is, yeah. 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 Peter, what's uh, what's some of the first things that you tried when you left? Oh, um, well, I went to another church straight away. Oh, I went to Lindy's church. Did feel a lot better, a little more happy? Oh, well, the first thing I noticed was... Um, so, so Lindy's a pastor and her husband, mm. and there was two sets of pastors at that church, and the, so they sort of take turns, and the pastors that aren't on that week, they, they sit up the back somewhere, and the people just sit all over the place, and there's no hierarchy, and there's no important people there, and they're also relaxed. And you come as you are, and the people are there because they want to be there. Yeah. Um, you know, not not because they have to be. And they actually welcome sinners there, yeah. contrary to the to the Plymouth yeah. brethren. You know. <laughs> they don't say they're pure, and oh, we can't have that person here. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm. And and of course I um. Yeah. Went, went to the movie theater. Um, I still haven't gone bowling, tenton bowling. That's still on my to do list. Uh, <laughs> Did you ever have that moment when you sat down in church where you're like, wait, they're not supposed to know this? Like, there was so much that we were told that the world didn't know. And there was a couple times where I sat in church and I went, wait, they're not supposed to know this. That was just for us. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. And of course, they often quote that scripture um, with two or three gathered together unto my unto me. There am I in the midst of them, and yep. yeah, they yep. all believe it. And that's what yep. Jay, that's what Jay and D said. He said people in the people everywhere quote that scripture, and and and, and they they believe it, and it's true yep. for, for for them. Yeah, yeah, that's and, incredible. And I was made to repent. And withdraw that remark I said, even though Jane did said it. 
<laughs> See, it's just this stark difference, right? And that's like, that's why I always like getting this thought, this, this across to those that are in there that listen, is that what you are experiencing is not Christianity. It's not Christianity. Yeah. You no, know, and yeah. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you coming on, Peter. I know you have like tons of stories in you and you know, we could sit here for hours upon hours hearing your stories and we obviously will bring you back on. And, yeah, yeah, um, a lot more to, to say. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I had a bit to do with the fellowship meetings in Wellington. Um, I, I don't know why, because I was a, I was an outcast, but um, I had a bit to do behind the scenes. There was, to, I, I had a bit to do behind the scenes with them and there's all sorts of shit went on. Um, yeah, and there's a, there's a lot of stories. You, you want to tell that story before you go? Oh, no, it's take too long. Take too long? Okay. <laughs> Stay tuned, people, for yeah, part two. story time with Peter. <laughs> okay, well, we sure appreciate you joining us and letting us come into your world for an hour and a bit. And Yeah, no, I, sh I really appreciate what you guys are doing. And um, yeah. Yeah. Stay, stay my, heart, my heart goes out to you. Yeah. Okay, well, until next time, I, I've people. got no regrets at all. No, you know, I bet you I, I mean, don't. I, I, I struggled with guilt for the first year and a bit um, because I could have, like my mum said to me, can't you just stay? And I could have, I, I could have stayed, I guess, but I would have had to lie. Yeah. You know, I, I would have had to say, no, John Howells wasn't rude. And yes, every word that comes out of Bruce Howells' mouth is from the Lord. And yeah. You know, but I would have, I couldn't live with that. You'd have and to I, live a lie, wouldn't you? Yeah. And what a gift from a father. Like, thinking of yourself as a father, what a gift to your children to know when and how to stand up and make a stance for change, right? That's what you did, right? And yes, it cost you a lot of grief. It cost, you had to sacrifice a lot, but you, you showed them the way. You literally showed them the way out. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's, that's the biggest gift you could ever give your family. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel bad for them and that, they'll be fed up that I'm evil. I know, but I really think that underneath they don't think so. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And I think that's the beauty of how um, I believe compassion works. I believe eventually compassion will seep through <clears throat> these walls of lies yeah. and walls of um, injustice. I believe compassion will always work its way through. It just takes time. Yeah. Um, we need to be persistent. I think we need to, um, in, in doing what we're doing, being vulnerable the way that we're being vulnerable and allowing people to all come forward and show our truth in this way that we aren't bad people. We're not opposers. We're not evil. We simply- I'm an opposer. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a huge opposer. Huge opposer. <laughs> so am I like. Fuck them all. They view us, right? They view us as the, this group of people that are just opposing Bruce Hales's word, which that's not what we're trying to do. What we're trying to do is show these people that- what you're in is not a Christian church. That's not uh, a Christian church. It's, I, you I are not in be. what you think you're in. Yeah. I, I think 
I think going back, and some people disagree with me, but I think going back to the 50s, I think it was, it was, you know, a pretty mainstream Christian church. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, it's where they brought in the extreme separation. They, they, back then, they started to split husbands, husbands and wives, you know, yeah. back in the, back in the late 50s. Uh, JT Jr. said, if a, if a wife is not a believer, uh, but the husband is, oh, no, no, yeah, but like if a wife doesn't break bread in the bedroom, but the husband does, then they need to split. Wow. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think my main goal, everybody asked me like, what's your end goal, Cheryl? Like, what, what do you want to do? And it is, I just want to take the cult out of the church. Yeah. That's, I mean, it might not happen in my lifetime, but at least we started it. And for the generations to continue, continue it, right? Like that is the key is to start something where the, the train is rolling along enough that it, it reaches a destination. And that's my destination is to take the cult out of the church so that my family and my nieces and my nephews, everybody who's in there gets to experience what a real Christian church should be. Yeah. Yeah. And while it's a cult, they'll cover up things. Yeah. Because... No, that, that's what I I know. While they're trying to say it's a pure position, they have to cover up things to give it that appearance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Bruce is very he's very smart at what he's doing. And I mean, I'm I think I believe he's fully aware of what he's doing. I fully believe he's aware oh, yeah. of what he's doing. I, I do too. That's there's th- no way that someone. Yeah, that's something I wondered about for years. Is does he know what he's doing? And they are. He has to. There's there's yeah. There's no way. I asked a sociology professor once at the University of Waterloo that question. I said, does this, do these people, does, does he, the leader, really believe their own story? And he's like, well, it's hard to say. It's like, it's kind of like the salesman coming out to pitch his sales team, right? And he has to tell his sales team, he's like, guys, come on, we got the best widget, right? Like our, our widget is better than all the other widgets. <laughs> does he really go back after and be like, we definitely have the best product? maybe but you know what i mean he's really just trying to convince because that helps yeah. sales right yeah whether he fully believes it or not is it's doubtful doubtful mm-hmm. i mean to like come on the universe is infinite as far as they've measured infinite and he really thinks the creator of the infinite universe chose him for a special mission come on <laughs> That's the worst comic book story ever. Like, it, yeah. it's just a terrible, like, come on. Yes, I was chosen out of 14.4 billion years the universe has been around. The creator chose me for a special yeah. mission. I mean, even if you put him in a cape and blue tights, he still wouldn't look like a superhero, would he? <laughs> no. That's what we and, needed to end on. <laughs> one little piece of advice. Those little cards that you send. Don't ever stop sending them. I've heard so many stories of kids that have collected all of those cards that a parent has sent. And then on that one hard day, pulled that pile of cards out and said, this is where I want to go. Hard as it is at the moment, when you get some of those cards sent back, it's worth every minute. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Okay. Well, let's end end it. Yeah. And um, I, I, we know Peter will be on again. I'm not have not even a question about that. Anyhow, thanks everyone for joining us. Take Thank care, everybody. Peter.
To share your story or be a guest on the show, email info.getalife at proton.me.